How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. And what I really love about that is I haven't. It's my wife's favorite color. She hasn't. And my daughters haven't. It's almost become taboo, forbidden in our household. It's really funny though. I had a bunch of purple ties and stuff because you try to work in your home colors, but I think I donated them to the National Suit Drive last year. You are locked on fantasy basketball, your daily podcast on fantasy basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Basketball show brought to you by Fantrax and Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd, and you can find me on Twitter at RedRock underscore Beeble. Of course, you should know that if you're not following me on Twitter, hey, why don't you? You can ask me any questions you want there, get all the information about the show that's going on, and uh, hey, maybe some uh, some mindless mindless crap as well that I might spit out. Of course, this podcast is brought to you by Fantrax. Fantrax is the best place for you to host any of your fantasy leagues, so make sure. You are checking out what's over on Fantrax. Consider taking your league over there. I highly recommend you do. Any feature you can possibly think of in a fantasy league, Fantrax has that covered. Of course, you know that I work for Basketball Monster. We're feverishly working on our projections at the moment and also getting ready for articles to come out at at launch, which we're looking to do at the end of August, start of September. So stay tuned for that. Lots of stuff happening. The, The projections are coming along really, really nicely. We are today, we're going to, I made a, not a promise, but I made a, an effort to do a lot more dynasty stuff um, through the off season and, and throughout the season as well. And I think I've done quite a bit of dynasty stuff throughout the off season. We're going to be doing it again today. I'm not going to be doing it alone though. I am joined by the one and only Seth Klein. Seth, how are you going? I'm going well. Good How to, are you today, Josh? I'm good, Seth. It's good to, good to have you back on. Now, if, for people who don't, people who might be new listeners to the show or, or don't remember Seth, let's uh, tell them where they can find uh, where they can find you across the uh, world wide web. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Seth Sportsman, S E T H D A S P O R T S M A N. Let the let the Josh Lloyd jokes ensue. Um, you can also find my writing at thefancyfix.com, my rankings at uh, fancypros.com, and um, pretty much kind of you'll see my articles all year all year long on, on numerous sites. And of course, I, I usually like to make a three, four, five, whatever uh, appearances on uh, Josh's show. So um, always find me on Twitter. I answer all your questions, and um, as well as the the podcast. Absolutely, Seth's been a, a mainstay on this show, and he's been a, he's not only a fancy basketball writer, he does baseball and, and football stuff as well. So you can check out if you've got any other interest in those sports, you can check out Seth's uh, stuff there and his Twitter handle, of course, for questions regarding all those other sports. Seth, let's get to it. To it. All right, we're going to talk dynasty now. We've spoken about this league, or I've spoken about this league before. And you've heard me talk about the Red Rock dynasty leagues before the thirty team leagues. I think I talked about this one um, initially when we had the first round, or the first round of the draft was done. We're now into the the back end of the twelfth round of that draft, so it's almost complete. Seth, I believe your team is is uh, is done in that league already. Yeah, my my team is done. I. I I don't remember how many trades I ended up making at least at least four or five where I was able to get all my picks within the first eight rounds. So um, kind of just I haven't I don't think I've drafted and it's got to be at least ten days by now uh, at least since la- uh, a couple weeks ago. So uh, been nice to kind of check in a little bit, follow who's going, and uh, not have to get the notification emails every time it's my turn anymore. All right, let, let's let's talk about. Oh, actually, we'll talk about the draft. You, you've heard about this draft before. Thirty-team dynasty league, thirteen-player rosters, six starters, seven bench guys, nine-cat head-to-head league, hosted on Fantrax, of course. So we've got thirty blokes in this league. So we're going three hundred and ninety players deep. It's pretty deep. You've got yeah, 
the ability to have some stash guys on the bench. You've got one minor league spot as well where you can keep anyone who hasn't played an NBA game by the start of the season. So any of this year's rookies, any players over in Europe who have been drafted previously who haven't been able to come across. Um, so we've got that little bit of extra roster flexibility there as well. Now, Seth, you're, you're done. I think you finished maybe a round or two ago. You said it's been ages since you made a pick. What I want to do in this podcast, I want to go through some of that draft, but also yeah. talk about dynasty strategy in uh, in general and what made you make. And uh, you're you're one of the more aggressive trade. Although Seth, you've made a lot of trades in this league. One the other, the Red Rock Real Salary Cap League, the second one of those ones, I I reckon at least sixty trades have gone down during that draft. It has been out of control. So you you need to step your game up there. But you are one of the premier traders in all of fantasy sports. What was your thought thought process between behind behind these trades and getting your draft done so early? Because you obviously had to sacrifice something to be able to get you know, not have to pick in the twelfth and thirteenth round. What did you sacrifice, and what was your thought process behind that? Um, well, I ended up deciding the the pick. If everyone's anyone's familiar with the, the if you're familiar with the format, it was you had to uh, only one player per NBA team could be taken in the first round and then um and then that order was reversed the rest of the way so i ended up with a 17th pick which is you know not ideal for uh dynasty league and i'm sitting there at 17 and lebron james is available i'm like wow i mean sure he's 31 32 but i mean the guy's still going to be a, a top five player for the next two three four years uh, so I had to nab him, but of course, as soon as I nabbed him, I'm sort of, I have to decide, am I going to go young now with more guys or am I going to kind of build around that? And, um, and I decided, you know what, I'm just going to go, I saw who else everyone was taking. All these guys are reaching for, uh, younger players, even guys that aren't even in, in, in playing in the NBA yet. They're, they're international players signed and I'm saying, oh, wow, they're, they're going really young. I'm going to use this opportunity to build an older team, but one that can win now and can really win for the next two, three years. And I'm pretty, pretty confident with the players I assembled around LeBron that um, I should be a top, top two, three, four team, uh, at least for the next two years, maybe three years. And kind of when I went in that mentality and uh, took the next few players, it, I had to keep going with that strategy. I couldn't, I took a couple of young guys on my bench, I guess, but um, just trying to assemble the best possible basketball team, not whether it was dynasty or redraft. I didn't think about that anymore. I just wanted to win. And I made, made sure to make my starting six a dominant starting six and have a couple solid guys off the bench that could contribute in um, multiple categories. And I'm, I'm really happy with how my team turned out. And I knew that um, I, I could take advantage of, uh, other teams wanting to play for the future, which a lot of teams really are, because there's some teams in the league that have guys that, like I said, may not even be in, in the United States for a couple of years. Um, I mean, you're talking about teams that won't be able to substitute more than one or two players off their bench. Um, I, I use that and I traded, traded up a few times, traded one high pick and one lower pick for two middle picks a couple of times. Uh, drafted Marcus Saul and ended up trading him. Uh, I, I traded him for some picks uh, as well. Um, so I made a point I wanted to just get the best players possible. And I think by um, by making sure all my picks were in the first eight rounds, I didn't have to wait to the end of the draft where I knew all the players were going to be flyers anyway. Young guys, prospects, projects, flyers, end of the bench guys i just wanted a, a solid core and i was happy with that i'll i'll worry about how bad my team's going to be in a few years but for now i'm happy uh making some money and, and uh uh winning with a solid team so you're as i said that the league goes 390 players deep the last pick that you made is pick 249 so you've you know got a stack of guys in the middle and i think that's a great strategy in terms of you know, these deeper leagues you want to grab now, and it does. It is very dependent on starters versus bench guys that on your thing. And we, if this was a ten three split, you you can't necessarily 
oh, you know, you can, but you need to. It's it's a different it's a different thought process. If it's a ten three, you want to grab as many middle round guys as possible. When it goes to six seven, you can you can have you know, afford to have some weaker guys on your bench because a lot of the times they won't get used. But you've you know, attacked those middle rounds pretty aggressively. Now you said that you made that decision with LeBron falling to you at seventeen, but say he he wasn't there. Is is going win now? Is that your default dynasty type strategy? Um, in, in a startup, it tends to be, yes, I, 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 the way I approach dynasty is I want, I, I, I don't know what's going to happen in the future. I, I don't know what's gonna happen to these players. I don't know what's gonna happen to the league. I've been in dynasty leagues where, you know, they folded after two or three years because a couple of people dropped out. They couldn't find people that want to take on, a. a a, a new team with a roster already in place or whatever it may be. And you, you people are spending first two, three years building for the future, never having a chance at the playoffs and the league folds. I mean, I don't think that's going to happen with this league, uh, especially with you running it, but um, you never know what's going to happen. I'll take my, I'll take a chance at winning a championship now over winning one in three, four years. You never know what's going to happen. I, you know, like I just, I just had a baby. Like I, who knows? I don't know what's going to happen with that where what what my life's going to be like where or anything you never know and um i like to win now no matter what if you end up having a bad first year sure you get halfway through the season it's not working out with your win now strategy i have no problem trading those guys to teams that want a veteran for the playoff push and then acquiring picks for your younger players for future years but to start off I mean, my team happened to be very, very veteran heavy, yep. very veteran heavy. And I think that's because of the 30 teams. I think if it were 14, 15 teams, I would have been able to squeeze in a few mid 20 something guys in there. But because it was so deep, so many guys were, were getting picked that were young. It made no point. It made no sense for me to pick any young guys once I already had gone with LeBron, Pau Gasol, Chris Bosh, um, Rajon Rondo. It, there would be no point to to go and all of a sudden take a you know a, a rookie because it it just they would never play on my team and I want you know to get six eight guys that I can have a solid rotation with and I think I did that and I think also by drafting Robin Lopez and Mason Plumley I gave myself a couple I mean they're not young 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 but a couple younger big men that I think. Uh, are in good situations and can contribute across the board that can step in for Pau Gasol when, you know, I think he'll retire after his contract's up with, with San Antonio. So uh, I think he'll be very good for the next two years, but I don't know if he'll be signing another contract when he's 39. Um, so you, so I, I, I think I did okay it. with that. And, and I drafted Brandon Jennings and everybody wanted him. It was really funny how that happened. Like I, I got about four trade offers as soon as I drafted Brandon Jennings. Like of all people, so that was interesting as well. Your team, you've got yeah, Eric Gordon, Rajon Rondo, Chris Bosh, LeBron James, Robin Lopez, and Pau Gasol. That's your starting six. That's that's a strong top six guys in a league that's not really a not not a thirty team league. That's that's a pretty you know, strong top six. And your you bench, you mentioned Plumlee. You got Joe Johnson, Brandon Jennings, Trey Burke, and Wilson Chandler uh, as your bench unit. So you've gone, you've gone, you know, win now. And everything that you said about that is something that I take into dynasty leagues as well. Is that you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what's going to happen with with players. They could turn out great. All these rookies, we don't know. But if you were doing a dynasty league five years ago, four years ago, and um, Thomas Ro- Thomas Robinson went pick five in the draft and. People might have been reaching for him, and at this point, he doesn't even have a spot in the NBA. He doesn't even have anywhere. You know, Jimmy Fredette went with pick ten, and you see some of the rookies that go that that go high in these drafts um, behind some established players. And yeah, it may work out, but in general, it, it doesn't work out. So that I'm very much with you in that sort of thing. Um, my team is a little more. I think it's a little younger. I'm going to bring my team up. In my starting lineup: I've got Reggie Jackson, Chris Paul, Danny Green, Chandler Parsons, Brooke Lopez, and Damari Carroll. On the bench, I've got Solomon Hill, uh, Mindaugas Kuzminskas, Lance Thomas, Cole Aldrich, Dwayne Dedman, and Malcolm Delaney. So I've got two rookies in there, Delaney and Kuzminskas. You know, Hill is a younger guy. Dwayne Dedman's a younger guy. But overall, they're just it's basically a a, a redrafty sort of uh, a redrafty sort of 
lineup without going too heavily into you know let's bank on all these guys because as you said they get overvalued they well, not necessarily overvalued there's they might reach that value they also might not and players and you mentioned with LeBron once they're at a certain level they stay at that certain level for generally a, a, a very long time yeah I really like your team I, I was looking over all the teams it takes a while to look at all the teams because there are so many and and they're really <laughs> and they're really and, and realistically I mean I'm obviously something that I spend you know my life doing is fantasy and, and, and analysis and all that and I really don't see more than maybe seven, eight teams that will be competitive this year. Certainly a lot of those teams will be competitive maybe next year or the year after, but uh, teams that can really compete uh, seven, eight, maybe max this year, and, and you're definitely one of them. And I, I was really jealous of your pick because um, as soon as I saw what you got, I was like, oh, he's just – I knew you were going to take uh, Brooke Lopez, and I was talking about that with with, with Trent, who's also in the league, and – and it was so obvious, and it was just a steal for you because I think that uh, Lopez, you, I think you had, uh, what was your pick? Twenty uh, seventh uh, pick, third to last one, or yeah, fourth, yeah, 20, yeah. pick twenty seven, so fourth to last pick, yeah. And I easily four, five, six players that were taken ahead of Lopez that aren't as good as Lopez, and that I think people were a little anxious to get into dynasty mode. And taking a couple rookies, a couple second-year guys, not realizing that like they may just never even be better than Lopez um, or a Kyle Lowry who was taken after a couple players um, over some questionable picks as well. So uh, I, I mean, I really like your team. I mean, you're starting five for sure because you were able to come back and then get Chris Paul and Reggie Jackson, and, I, and that's a, that's a solid team right there. And I, I, I do think Solomon Hill is gonna. Uh, at least be given a role this year in in New Orleans, which he wasn't in in in, in Indiana. And one of the things that we uh, that we talk about is you know, is trying to build you know, for for the here and now, so to speak. You know, I look at more of a two year window when I'm I'm drafting teams, and I'm not I don't want to call out people in this league and say you guys made yeah mistakes because and that's one of the things about dynasty is we don't know we, we don't know what's going to happen in five years, and some of these picks might make some of these teams like unstoppable for you know five year stretches. We don't know that. Um, we also don't know if they might make them terrible for five years. But this is more a, an idea for people who are going into startup dynasty drafts and are doing it. And, and you might have that, I need to grab a rookie. And just it gives you an idea of how, how valuable or how valuable some people view these rookies. Like, for example, Thon Maker, when it pick 145 in this draft, which he's not really going to do much this season. I can't see a situation where he's behind Greg Munro, Jabari Parker, John Henson, Miles Plumley. But he's the fifth big on that team. And yes, Munro might get traded. That moves him up to the fourth big. He's not going to do much. He's probably not going to do much next season. We don't know. We don't know if he ever does anything really in the NBA maker. He went at pick 145. The players that went after him, Marvin Williams, Marcus Morris, El Furu Kaminu, JJ Redick, um, Damari Carroll, Pat Beverly, Zach Randolph. Like these are all players that are comfortably going to have you know, double the production that Maker has this season, if not more. Amir Johnson, um, pl- plenty of guys that went later. Yeah, Luol Deng, these aren't sexy names by any stretch, but you can get two solid, three solid years out of Luol Deng, and he went at pick 172, and that's that's pretty good value. And again, I'm not calling out the uh, the person that made that, that Maker pick, but... It, it gives you an idea. There's, there's plenty of picks like that littered all throughout the draft. There's plenty of situations where guys you know, are getting picked really early. Like you made Brandon Jen- Jennings your pick at pick 188. The two picks before Jennings were Czech Diallo and Torian Prince, who oh, who knows how much they even play like at all this season. We know that Jennings will play. He's, he'll be a backup. He'll start some games when Rose is out, but he'll play. So there's yes, so many, and that's why I don't have any guys that were actually drafted on my team because they all went. They all went so quickly. The two rookies I've got are two guys who slip under the radar with Kuzminskis and Malcolm Delaney, who people might not be as uh, as hyped up about. But yeah, some of these rookies go extraordinarily high. Demant- Demantis Sabonis went ahead of Andrew Bogut, which to me is just craziness. It's Bogut, Bogut's got a chance to be a top 70 player this year. Is there anything that, that stood out to you about any of these picks that was just like, I, I can't believe that happened? Um, yeah, there were some, and like you said, I don't want to, uh, call out too many guys, but certainly there were some where I was like, whoa, we're like, 
I didn't even see that guy on my list on my my rankings because he just wasn't even on there. I mean, it certainly I had you know a different sort of preset rankings than other guys were because I was going with a uh, more veteran team. But it's like wow, that seemed early for a player that I clearly, like you said, clearly is not going to have a role for at least a year or two when there are guys that contribute now. And I mean, it, it depends. I mean, if you had or if you've already decided, look my first two picks are already projects at that point taking Lou all dang and the, you know, isn't going to really make a difference because you're not competing anyway. So I think at that point, maybe it's not bad to draft. And if you're going to go project team, just go full project. And sure. Certainly you, you may have one of those guys may end up kind of break. One of these guys is going to break out. One of these guys is going to be on a bad team and he's going to, come into some minutes and maybe you, you trade him high or whatever. But um, yeah, I'm, I, I was shocked by a lot of picks where I was like, whoa, like, okay. Like someone else just fell into my lap or someone else fell into someone else's lap. And so honestly, I'll, I watch, I, I follow basketball very, very often. You know, I, I felt about a lot of basketball. <laughs> I couldn't think of the word, but um, obviously. And there were some guys drafted where I, I had never heard of him before. And, and I'm not saying that that's, you know, I know less because of that, but, and I'm not talking about someone in the 13th round that I never heard of before. There was a couple of guys where I had to look him up like, oh, okay. He was taken by the Spurs in 2013. And he's been playing in Greece. Like, okay, I guess, you know, I mean, I, I think people do fall in love with the dynasty factor of it. I mean, some people do. And, and I, like you mentioned, I, I do play fantasy football and baseball and, playing dynasty leagues and those, and you get the same thing. You get um, some people that are enamored by the youth and the, the idea that the guy's a rookie and he's a hot prospect, and um, and they forget that um, that unless you're really, really old. I mean, there there's some, like you mentioned um, uh, Greg Monroe, okay? Greg Monroe is not a great basketball player, but he's a good fantasy player for the most part. It, you know what you're getting. You're not going to get the blocks. You're, you're going to get points, rebounds, decent steals for a big man. Um, but he's still a good fantasy player because he's going to get you those double doubles. The guy, if people forget. I think I, without looking it up, I think Greg Monroe is like 25 years old. Yeah, he's, he's not. Max. He's not that old. Yeah. Um, right, and like this guy's got a good 10, 11 years left in the league. There's no reason to take, uh, you know, a, a, a rookie ahead of him, especially, you know, and the thing that I noticed as well is this was a, one of the weakest draft classes in a long time. Yeah, that's true. And it just happened to be that we started the league this year. So people kept loading up on rookies, but you're talking about rookies that may have not even been drafted if they had come out last year or the year before. And... So I think that also is, is something that people weren't taking into consideration when they're loading up on young guys, that they're loading up on young guys from a very, very weak draft class. And a lot of guys that I think will find themselves in Europe and uh, in the D-League for quite a while. Dirk went really late in this draft. He went at pick 142, which is just insanity because you're going to get top 70 value out of Dirk for at least two years. Um, but what you said is, is great. If you've gone young with a couple of picks early, then... It's a risky proposition, but you can then decide to, okay, I'm just going young. I'm just getting guys. Maybe it pays off. Maybe it doesn't. There's a chance that you just left with nothing, just a, a barren team, or there's a chance that it turns out and you become you know, unbeatable. And, and that's that's there's definitely no wrong way of approaching this. Um, you or me approach it in a very similar way, um, but a lot of people don't. And that's what makes Dynasty Leagues great as well, is that there are so many ways that you can you can approach these uh, these drafts and team building and trades and all that sort of stuff. There's so many ways you can do it, but there is definitely more risk associated with going with just a bunch of young guys and a bunch of young guys early. But because that's probably the majority thought process, if you want to grab young guys, you have to do it. If you if you want to get, I want to get these rookies on my team, you have to go around two rounds, three rounds early if you actually want them. And that's what you want your strategy to do. Because I can almost assure you, Seth, that the majority of people in a dynasty draft are going to be headed that way. There's, in my experience of doing dynasty drafts, you don't have, say, if, say, it's a 12-team dynasty, you don't have nine guys going to win now and three building. You might have a 6-6 six, six split. Is that the way that you've sort of um, experienced it? 
Um, yeah, I guess. Um, depends. You know, it can it can waver either way. Uh, and of course, you do see the drastic from one, you know, one way or the other. But yeah, I mean, you if you're gonna start in dynasty like full on dynasty mode, you got to keep going with it because, um, although I you know I don't mind as in the late rounds actually grabbing some veterans if you're in true dynasty because you do need some stability to keep your team around you certainly don't want to be that team that every time someone plays you it's an automatic eight nothing win or eight not you know for the other team you want to at least remain somewhat competitive and and you know and those veterans could be decent trade chips as the season goes on like you mentioned like an andrew bogut you know he's not going to light up the box score, but he's useful in blocks. He'll get you rebounds. He shoots well from the field. There may be a team come, you know, come uh, March that needs blocks to help them get over the hump, and they may be willing to trade a younger asset or a pick, a future pick for that guy. And he, you know, and he's meaningless to you. So I, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. I've done that before, where I've, I've picked up players off the waiver wire simply because I knew I could trade them. And I've, I've picked them up and traded them that day, like later that day, because, oh, everyone's like, oh, man, I didn't see him, that he was dropped or he was on the waiver wire. You, you got him just before I did. Okay, well, you can have him if you want to trade for him. <laughs> you know, so um, there actually in this draft, I, like I mentioned Jennings, it was just as soon as I drafted Jennings, who actually is a decent dynasty guy because he's only 26, yep. um, would uh, – I got about four offers and I got definitely, I got an offer from the Derek Rose owner and that, that was expected, but I uh, got a bunch of offers. And even when I picked Gasol, Paul Gasol, I got an offer immediately from someone that said, Oh, he was the next on my queue. Would you want to trade for him? So um, certainly uh, people get bummed when they get sniped and it's a good time to, to use that to your advantage. If you want to, I, I didn't end up trading either of those guys The the offers just didn't work out, but um, you never know what can happen. And uh, like you said, that's what's great about Dynasty, that one team could be good this year and the team that is in last place could be great in two years. And not only that, they'll get high draft picks in the next two years as well. So that's obviously something to think about if you're building a team for the future is you're, you're, you're guaranteed to get a lottery pick as well. There were some really great picks, though, I think, in this one as well. Especially we're in the 12th round here, so we're talking about in the 330s. Like Ty Lawson went at pick 333. I know he doesn't have a team, but if he does get back to a team, then that's going to be tremendous value. If it doesn't work, you move on from him. Um, David Lee went at pick 355. Now, I'm not a big David Lee fan, but at 355, that's that's fine. Kyle Singler, we don't know what sort of role he's going to have. He went 357. Like these are these are pretty decent picks at that point. But the other thing that, about this league is there is a lot of guys that aren't in the NBA that went got picked. Like um, Seti Osman or Chetty Osman, I don't know how you even know how you pronounce it, but I think that's a that's a brilliant pick at, at that late in the draft. He's a guy that's a he's a Turkish guy playing in Turkey what? this year. Yeah, no, I, I, I think he's going to be really good. He's uh okay, yeah. he's a, a second rounder. Um, from the Cavs last year. I think he's going to be really good. And that that's the sort of pick when you can stash it in your minor spot as well for a couple of years if necessary. He is a guy that, that, that to me, that's a great pick. Jarrett Jack went in the you know almost in the 350s. Like, I, Jack's 32 years old and coming off an ACL, but surely he can give you something this season. Yeah, Thomas Robinson got drafted in this draft. He doesn't have a team. But towards the end of the draft, the same thing applies. If it's 30 teams, if it's Dynasty, whatever. The last couple of picks... Take a flyer, see what happens. If you need need be, move on, use it in trades, do whatever you need to do. But there's some some pretty decent. Milos Teodosic got picked, and he's never been drafted, never come to the NBA at all. You've seen him play over in the Olympics for Serbia, but if he comes over, then he could have a role as well. So people making some pretty smart. No, everyone in this league knows what they're doing. Um, lots of interesting picks that, that have come down, and uh, you know, we're getting to a stage where pretty much every player in the NBA and some that aren't in the NBA are actually getting drafted. Is there anyone set that you look at for this coming season? Not necessarily looking at this this um, yeah, draft, but players that might not have a big impact this year, but you're looking maybe a year ahead that you think are, are primed to become good players at some point. Uh, as far as rookies, rookies and young younger type players, just guys that you know, maybe slide under the radar a, a little bit and have have the ability to become really sort of you know 
not transcendent, but top level fantasy guys in a couple of seasons' time. Anyone that any particular, I'll, I'll start you off. I, I think campaigns that guy, but it's going to take three, four years for him to really become that player. And it's a, a love campaign. Yeah, I, I do. But obviously, Westbrook's there. Westbrook. He he signed an extension. Yeah, it's one extra year. We don't know how long he's going to be there. We don't know if at some point they trade him. We don't know if they do a Reggie Jackson and, and trade campaign. But if campaign gets a starting job, and he will at some point, he's going to be a top 50 fantasy guy. So to me, he's a guy that it's not going to happen this year. It might take two seasons. It might take three seasons. He's going to be really good. And I'm a, I'm a big pain fan. So he's a, he's a guy like that that I'm that I'm pretty interested in seeing you know, where he goes and a lot of the people that are, all the people that are in this league listen to me talk so they know that I love pain so every time that pain goes off the board in one of these drafts I get a little comment back to me oh, took took Josh's guy I'm sure he's uh, sure he's pissed and yeah, generally I am yes who do you who do you like Seth is there any um, any guys that you yeah, see in that I, role I, 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 I'm, I think there's a lot of guys I mean when you're talking about the NBA I think every year you see 20 30 guys that are just ready to break out um i don't fortunately i <laughs> i didn't have a list of guys because i didn't know about the question but um uh let me let, let me let me give you another name let me give you another name and see what you think of this guy what about kyle anderson sure I think Kyle Anderson's in for a, uh, um, a a big a big jump forward this season. Yeah, I think he's going to play a significant role. I think he's going to play I, a I bit like of the four. I, I do like him. I like Kyle Anderson. I like I like where he is. I think that that helps a lot. And I think that uh, you're definitely talking about a team where there's going to be some turnover in the next few years. Um, so I don't think I don't know if he's going to be fancy relevant this year i think maybe a little bit more role than he had last year but um i think he's definitely a great dynasty guy because you can get him you know later on and uh, i think in not next year but maybe the year after assuming that parker is gone and i think ginobili will be gone after that did ginobili sign a one or two year deal just just one two years i think right no just one um oh just one okay yeah so that's going to be a much different team, and I, I do like him. Uh, I think that's I, I think you hit that on on the head right there. Um, Hazania, I would have, but now it seems like they the, seems like, and I know that they're going to go in a different direction uh, with Vogel there now. And I'm I'm not an Orlando fan. I'm a Knicks fan, but you know I, I feel bad for Orlando every year. They're just one of those teams that it's like, man, they they just keep shooting themselves in the foot. Like you draft all these young players trade for young players uh and then you, you just somehow just screw it up you don't give them minutes you don't develop them and i think that they've done that with azonia by bringing in ibaka and uh re-signing fournier not like they sh- shouldn't have uh but um jeff green like all these guys like i feel like he's just gonna be buried on the bench again and uh sort of like a waste i mean yeah, I, look, I agree. I, with, I agree with you. I don't know with why Fournier. Not with not with Fournier. I agree with you with Hazonia because I think that he's a guy that the opportunity looked like it was going to be wide open. Yeah, the door was slammed in his face basically with the acquisitions they made. But for two years' time, I think it could even happen halfway through this year when they realise that an Alfred Payton, um, Aaron Gordon, Serge Ibaka, Bismarck Biombo lineup that can't score any points that you need to put someone else out there who can actually shoot and, and score because Payton can't. Um, Ibaka's not a scorer. Biombo the worst offensive player in the league, Aaron Gordon at the three is not going to work offensively. Um, so we could see that situation where they have to go, you know what, we just have to get Hazonia into this game and play him 28 minutes a night. And that could work out. But you know, Ibaka might not come back in free agency. We don't we don't know what they do with Vucevic. We don't know what they do with any of these guys. So he's a guy that has got the ability and has got a pretty nice translatable fantasy game once that opportunity comes. But it might not be for a couple of years. And the door was definitely slammed in his face this offseason. Let's get on to these uh, these questions, Seth, that came in. Um, Brazil underscore Dazzle says, how much do contracts figure in your dynasty outlook? He says, I'm thinking of guys like Kelly Oubre behind Otto Porter. So I'm guessing you, know, you can have dynasty leagues that have got contracts as part of it. But what he's meaning here, and I assume this is what Mr. Brazil Dazzle means, is that a guy like Otto Porter, who's due up for a big contract, coming forward or the fact that Ubre is on such a cheaper contract in opposed to Porter, does that mean that the, the Wizards will be like, we're not sure that 
we're going to be investing heavily in Porter moving forward. Maybe we give Ubre more of a look. Do you think about that sort of stuff and think, okay, this guy is coming up to free agency. He might not be around. They might look to him go younger at that position. Does that factor into your decision-making or to your valuation of guys? Um, yeah, I, I think it factors in more when you're talking about older guys. I don't think someone like Porter... I mean, he's a young guy, so I, I don't think all of a sudden, even if he's ready to hit free agency, I don't think that the Wizards, who really don't have a good team, can aff- are going to just not play one of their better players. Um, I do like Ubre as well. And they'll find a way to work him in. I mean, they'll... Um, you know, he'll get they'll get their minutes regardless. I think the the young guys at the end of the season, but I don't see the young guys getting a bench. You do see some of the the veterans start to lose less minutes, uh, especially if they the veterans are on uh, final years of contracts. But in, in that particular situation, I don't think that in with Ubre and, and Porter, I don't think that that's really a factor there at all. Yeah, I agree with you about the Ubre and Porter situation. I also don't think Ubre is that good, but I, I do. Yeah, that situation, yeah, Porter's Porter's a, yeah, four years or so, despite only being, I think, two years draft age or draft year difference. I think he was an older player when he came out. But the yeah, other situations, definitely, you can look at who's ahead of this guy, how he old, mi- how I think old he is. He missed his first, didn't he? He barely played his first two seasons. Like he he didn't played he miss his rookie season. No, he he played. Yeah. 10 games or it wasn't 10 games, but he barely played because he had that hip problem basically throughout his first couple of seasons. Um, and that, hurt, yeah. that limited him significantly. He would play behind Paul Pierce. He played behind Trevor Ariza for, the, for his first two years as well and barely saw barely saw the court uh, at all. But even when he came out, like he wasn't a freshman uh, coming out, Porter. I think he was a junior when he came out from memory. So he, he's a guy that you know, coming out, he came out two years, or he was drafted two years ahead of Ubre, but he'd also stayed in college for a couple of years before that. But there are plenty of other situations around the league where that happens, and um, yeah, and it's and it is something that you have to take into consideration because you've got to sort of be able to predict the future to a degree. You can't get, you can't go too far in advance, but you can look. And there's a great example of that in Phoenix at the moment with you know, PJ Tucker and Jared Dudley likely to be the starting three and the four, but behind them you've got TJ Warren, Marquise Chris, and Dragon Bender. And you know at some point that those guys are going to ascend into those roles. It just has to. It just makes sense. So, yeah, it, it's it's a good question. It's definitely part of what, what you look at. Now, I don't know, I don't know if you got this question because he, he took you, or you out of the tag on Twitter, but I'll ask you. I think you should be able to get uh, give us an answer on this one. Seth, Iron Man says, can Wade Baldwin slide over to the two this year? Now, Wade Baldwin was picked by um, the Grizzlies, obviously, uh, out of Vanderbilt as a point guard, but he's huge. He's like 6'4", 6'11", wingspan. The Grizzlies' two-guard position, it's um, it's not strong, and that's being that's being fairly kind. Do you see Baldwin being able to get some minutes there in that backcourt because of, really, they've just got Tony Allen there at the moment? Um, yeah, I do. I, I like Baldwin. He was one, he's one of my underrated, uh, rookies this year. I think that he found himself in a good situation there. Um, that team's extremely lacking for offense. And like you said, Allen and I, I don't, who else is there at the, at, at the two? Look, this is something I've know. stressed uh, a lot. Tony Rodden, maybe. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's no right. one, there's no one there. Um, at, so at the, at yeah, the I, I, nobody. Yeah. Yeah. They have a younger front court. But uh, yeah, nobody. So yeah, I certainly think he he's a chance, and somehow the Grizzlies find a way to win ball games. Uh, <laughs> as as bad offensively as are, and, and 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 they've had some struggles defensively the last couple of years as well. They always find themselves in the playoff picture, and um, but I, I want to think that this is finally the year they won't be, um, and certainly they'll they'll be able to give their younger guys some run and, and the stretch run. Hopefully, if you're a ball winner. The other question that Iron Man has, he says, who do you think will likely take over at the four this year? Marquise Chris or Dragon Bender? Jared Dudley's going to start the season at the four. That's almost guaranteed. And you'd have to think at some point that they go um, with one of their rookies they drafted inside the top eight, Bender or Chris. Which one of those two guys do you think will become the starting power forward um, when they move Dudley back to the bench? Um, 
Who was the third? You said Chris. Oh, Chris and Chris Bender and Bender. And oh, D- Dudley's already Dudley's going to be the starter, but who's who's going to take oh, over? Okay. Who's going to take over from Dudley? Uh, right when he's the bench. What about PJ Tucker though? Um, no, I'm joking. Uh, I think I think that Chris will be. I think that Bender's going to take a little bit. Okay, I actually I think the opposite. I think Bender will be. I think that Chris is going to take a stack of time to get to get used to the NBA. I think you'll have a lot of more highlight plays, but I think that he'll also make just a, a ton of mistakes. And I, I think that Bender will be the guy. But we've got no idea at this point. So either of those two guys could get it. They're going to see how it all plays out. I think they'll run some Bender Chris four five lineups at times as well, a few minutes at a time. But they'll try that. Um, I think that Bender will be the guy. Seth thinks it'll be Chris. All right, let's uh let's go to Ben's question. Ben Statler says. Who or how does the New York Knicks offseason impact percentages? short and long-term? Now, I've talked about that. I talked about that with Oliver Maroney the other day about Chris Stapps. Um, how do you see the addition of Derek Rose, Joe Kim Noah, Courtney Lee on what Porzingis can do this season and moving forward? I I like it. I like it. I think it's fine moving forward. I, I have no concerns over him moving forward. Let Rose is not durable. Lee really isn't an offensive factor. He's a defensive stopper. Noah isn't durable. Um, but I think in the short term, he'll he'll get less looks on offense. I mean, that's almost assured. Uh, but I think the field goal percentage should be up. He'll get better looks. Um, he'll maybe get a chance for more blocks because um, – He'll get, you know, he'll have some help, help defense. Um, but I, yeah, I'm not too concerned about him in general. He's a stud, and he he shoots well from the line. He makes threes. He he does everything. And I think that, yeah, maybe a point less per game, but you'll make up for that with better field percentage and um, maybe even more three pointers. He'll find more open looks for three. He's he's going to come out extremely high in our basketball monster projections. I can uh, I can assure you of that. Now you said he might come out a point per game less. I think that he plays a stack more minutes this year because he was really restricted last year under the um, the worst coaching duo in NBA history, Derek Fisher and Kurt Rambis. He only played twenty eight minutes a night. I think that he we has he has to go thirty plus. He has to go thirty one, thirty two minutes, and that will you know that might offset some of the. You know, per per minute type stats because he's playing an extra four or five minutes a night. So I, I think he's in for a big season. The block thing is huge. I reckon that's absolutely spot on. That he'll be able to get those extra blocks, playing next to Jokic, and as well just being extra, having extra experience. I, I don't didn't like the move of Noah because I want I want to put Zingas to play at the five. Maybe in a year's time they just go. Well, Noah just can't cut it. He's a twenty minute backup center. That's it. And Pozingas is the five, and that's exactly what they should be looking to do. I think there's a minor risk that the addition of Rose hampers him somewhat this year, but I, if I'm betting on it, I think that he actually pushes through that and has a better, a, a much better season. And a lot of that's due to the fact that I think he gets you know, a fair chunk of extra minutes this year. Nate Swan says, is there a trade that you would accept for Carl Anthony Towns in a dynasty league? So assuming you've got Towns, Seth, is there any sort of trade that someone could offer you that would allow them to pry him away from you? Yeah, I mean, there's there's never a trade that there's never a player that's untradeable. That's correct. Yep. It, there just isn't. It, yeah, you, I mean, okay, you have Carl Anthony Towns, and I offer you Westbrook and Millsap. Yeah, I'll take that in a second. You know, I two All Stars for one All Star, and one's young. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of trades. Certainly, I wouldn't be fooled if it. You know, someone was offering me four mediocre guys and trying to pull off one of those depth trades that looks better on paper, you know, when you get the email because you see four names as opposed to one. But, um, I mean, it's it's really simple math. And, and again, I, you don't want to fall t- too crazy for the whole uh, uh, dynasty thing. Like, yes, I think that Towns is, is the best dynasty guy, but... I mean, sure, I'll take a point guard that's six years older that's going to be in the league for 10 more years <laughs> and maybe the best fancy player in basketball this year over, uh, over you know, and another all-star for, for one guy. Yeah, for sure. It, it just depends on the situation. I just certainly wouldn't ever rule out 
the possibility of trading a guy. It's always worth seeing what someone will offer. And I think that sometimes you'll you'll just someone will want town so bad that they'll over overpay big time and and sometimes it's 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 worth it to take those deals yeah and i think what you said there is key about so many things in fantasy and and the word you never is that you can never say never like people will always ask who's on your do not draft list not it's it's empty it's empty because who knows because there might be a guy that i despise and his name might be rajon rondo and i might be sitting there pick 150 and if he's available you know what i'm taking him i don't care and that happened to me actually last year i picked him at like a pick 120 in a draft because i don't like this guy i don't like this situation i don't like him as a fantasy guy but when it gets to pick 120 it, it's great. So I never say never to these guys. And look, in dynasty leagues, anything's possible because people may have invested earlier. Maybe they took Anthony Davis at pick 50 and they already had Steph Curry on their team and they come to you and go, I'll give you Davis and Curry for Towns. And you go, uh, yeah, okay, thanks. I'll have that. And that, that's what I sort of mean. So you kind of said, no, Towns is untouchable because he's not untouchable because who knows what, what you could potentially get out of it. And if your league's extremely deep, if you're in you know, talking like a league like ours, it went 390 players deep, and someone comes to you and offers you three top 10 players, then having that in a league that deep is is incredible. Yeah, for for one top 10 guy who might be the the fifth player versus the sixth, seventh, and eighth, you do do something like that. It it definitely works out in your favor. So yeah, love him, and like you, Seth, he's the number one dynasty long term prospect, I think. But doesn't mean that you can't move him because you can still be able to take that number one hype and people love numbers they love ranks that this guy's number one he's number one he's number one they love that use it to their your advantage and you can actually you can actually you know be in a situation where you could trade him it's not a likelihood but it's something that can happen and it, and it can work out in your favor all right this is a good question Mubin says who has a brighter future in fantasy aaron gordon or rodney hood Is a very good question. Um, I looked at this one before. I man, I want to say Hood. I'm going to say Hood because I think that he is less flaws, less less flaws in his game. Okay, I'm I'm a I'm a massive Hood fan, so I'm, I can totally understand that, but. I'm looking at this question and it's a brighter future. I'm going to look at it as upside then. I'm going to look at it as who's got a higher ceiling. And I would say that Gordon's ability to be a, a triple one guy who could potentially approach 1.7 blocks, um, who could hit a three a game, get 10 rebounds and score 18 to 20 points. I think that yeah is yeah potent, that, that could be better than what Hood could become. But I think the likelihood of him reaching that is also less than the likelihood of, of Hood reaching his absolute potential which is a guy who can be a a 20 plus point scorer who gets five rebounds and five assists and hits two and a half threes both guys are really good gordon's also a stack younger than what um than what hoodies i think he's like three years younger perhaps or gordon came into the league as one of the youngest players one of these youngest players in his draft class so you know if you want more security i feel like hood's that guy but if you want to you know swing for the fences i think gordon could potentially you know have the upside of being a top 35 player at some point but there's also a massive chance he never gets to that level so a yeah, really good question um re- really really like that question and, and it's a tough one and it all depends on i guess how you want to look at your team and how you want to uh, build your roster up but it's you know it, it's a it's a pretty it's a pretty interesting uh question especially when they, they offer different things as well it, you know, how do you looking at building your team, especially in the short term as well? We've got one question left, Seth. Zach Anderson says, I've got a keeper problem. He says, I have to keep two of this isn't this is a good problem. I have to keep two of Chris Middleton, Clay Thompson, and CJ McCollum. Who are you keeping? Uh, Chris Tot who was it? Chris Chris Middleton, Clay Thompson McCollum. and CJ McCollum, yep. Which two am I keeping? Yep. Um, I'm going to go with Middleton and McCollum. I just think that Thompson's going to Thompson's going to lose a ton of value with Durant and Golden State. I think Middleton to me is a lock out of those ones. He's definitely the first one that I'm taking. I'd probably actually take Thompson over McCollum. I think that they give almost similar value this season. Um, and I. We're talking before is that we don't we don't know if 
Durant stays in Golden State. We don't know if Curry stays in Golden State. We can assume that they will, but we, we don't know that for sure. So you might have one down year of Thompson, and then he might bounce back up and be a top 15 player again. Where it's, I'm, I don't think that McCullum's quite in the same class as him, but I can easily understand making the the choice to go with to go with uh, CJ there as well. But yeah, I, I agree with you with Middleton. He's a, he's the first guy that I would pick out of that uh, out of that list of players. Seth, that's it. We've talked dynasty for uh, far too long. Now um, your draft is over. You can sit back, watch the last round play out in that draft, and I'm sure you've got other drafts. You've got football stuff happening. You've got basketball stuff happening. You're a, you're a very busy man. So thank you for uh, taking the time to come on today. Yeah. No problem. I love coming on and great to finally uh, talk some basketball. Absolutely. Now, remind everyone again where they can find you on Twitter and if you've got anything, uh, any articles on that have just come out or anything that's uh, that's coming out soon. Uh, again, you find me on Twitter at Seth Duh Sportsman, S-E-T-H-D-A-S-P-O-R-T-S-M-A-N. No current articles, really. Um, I have a nine-month-old daughter, so I've been um, – she's been taking up all my time. So I haven't really got a chance to write too many articles in the last few months. But um, I should get more time to do that once basketball starts up. Uh, you can find my rankings at Fancy Pros. I, I do try to update those, and I will have my NFL football rankings up before the season starts and um, and some articles at thefantasyfix.com. Um, if the best place to find me really is Twitter and I, and I do answer everyone's questions. So follow me on there and, um, and I'd be happy to help you out with your teams this season. Cool. Thanks, Seth. Uh, follow, follow Seth. Follow me at RedRock underscore B-Ball. Make sure you're checking out all the other Locked On podcasts as well, the Locked On NBA show, all the Locked On team shows, Locked On Celtics, Locked On Hornets, Locked On uh, Pelicans, NFL ones as well. The, the network's growing significantly. So check those out. Leave a review on iTunes if you've got a spare minute. It, it is fantastic for everyone who's done that, so I do appreciate that. And if you've got a few seconds, do that. And I'm pretty sure all the Red Rock listener leagues are now full. We had one spot left, so that's 28 listener leagues that we've filled up so far throughout the offseason. So well done to everyone who's got into those leagues and best of luck when your drafts start, which most of them start in a couple of weeks' time. A lot of them, are, or a few of them have already kicked off, but most of them start at the start of September. So good luck for all of those leagues. Seth, once again, thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me. No problem. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. See ya.